Where we want to go next, though, is understanding where we are most vulnerable to that illusion, where we are most susceptible to accepting our enemy's interpretation of reality. And that is in circumstances of pain and suffering and looking deeply into our wounding. Welcome to The Intentional Dad, the podcast for men and families on a journey to embrace and fulfill the promise of fatherhood. My name is Eric Manley, and I'm in the studio here today to continue our discussion around the question, what story are you living? And it is a question that we have been asking and discussing for several months now here in 2023, and we've gotten quite a ways down the rabbit hole. And today we're, we're going to dig in, go a little bit further, um, but today will be a little bit different. It is a discussion that I have been having and very much enjoyed having with my good friend Pete Emhoff. And um, he will be back, but for this particular episode, we needed to call an audible because he, uh, he could not join me for, for this particular episode. Uh, just a little side note, he has recently had a surgery and due to the need to kind of attend to that recovery process and all the things that go with that and the doctor's visits and everything, we both agreed that for this episode, uh, I would just go ahead and record the next installment of our discussion. And then um, next time when we pick up the discussion again, Pete will will join us and and we will continue. So for today, we do want to pick up with where we left off and just a, just a quick recap of the journey that we've been on. And of course, it comes back to that question, what story are you living? And we began with awakening to this great invitation that God offers, that God extends for us to um, become aware, to tune into the reality of what we call a shadow story and all the things that come with living a shadow story and the weight and the heartbreak and the challenges that come with living out of a shadow story. And to not just see that, but to see that God has an invitation for us to begin to live out of an ultimate reality, the true story that you're loved, you belong, and you have nothing to prove. And we opened with this wonderful invitation to dream. What would it be like to live out of that as our reality? What would it be like to have our days shaped by that reality? So that's where we began. And bit by bit, we've kind of gone deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole as we have explored what it is that is behind the shadow stories we live, more to the point, who it is. And we've had several discussions now as we've worked to know our enemy, what he's after, what animates him, how he works. In our last discussion, we really started to take a deep look into his workings with this idea of illusion. Our enemy's campaign against God and humanity depends on keeping us all invested in an illusion, the illusion that God isn't good and you're not good enough. And we took some time to explore that in the last episode. And we didn't just do that, though. We also began to take steps of what we, what we started calling divine rebellion. 
And that rebellion is against a world and an enemy that is relentless in keeping us from finding our way to freedom, uh, from finding our way to the path to freedom, even. And in seeing and awakening to that conspiracy, we can begin to push back. And so the first step of divine rebellion that we took last week was to simply do the thing that our world is least likely to make room for. And that is the simple act of being still, sitting in silence. We read in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. That is his instruction in the face of a chaotic world that he knows that we live in. And what we began to do in that exercise is to carve out some space to attend to our inner worlds. And today we're going to take some steps to to ramp it up a bit. And we're going to go on from that concept of illusion and the fact that our enemy is constantly presenting to us an interpretation of reality that he wants us to buy into. And, you know, as we've said many times by now, it is a reality that in some way, shape, or form flows from his two lies that he's constantly weaving, that God's not good and you're not good enough. And the illusion that he crafts for each of us is tailor-made, and it feels very, very real. And where we want to go next, though, is understanding where we are most vulnerable to that illusion, where we are most susceptible to accepting our enemy's interpretation of reality. And that is in circumstances of pain and suffering and looking deeply into our wounding is where we want to go next. So in light of the audible that Pete and I had to call for this particular episode, I have something a little bit different for you. And what I'm going to share with you today is actually an excerpt of my book. Um, Again, the title of the book is The Intentional Dad, Embrace and Fulfill the Promise of Fatherhood. And for uh, the bulk of this episode, I'm simply going to share with you a portion of the audiobook. And it comes from chapter five, entitled, And So It Begins. And in that chapter, the beginning part of that chapter, uh, this issue of wounding and taking a deep look at our inner worlds, the reality of wounding, and sitting with Uh, the impact of that wounding on our hearts and souls and how we live. Um, That is all part of what is in this particular excerpt that I'm going to share with you. So with that, here is a portion of chapter five. And so it begins. Chapter five. And so it begins. For this people's heart has become calloused They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Matthew 13, verse 15. But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Psalm 10, verse 14. 
A wound that goes unacknowledged and unwept is a wound that cannot heal. John Eldridge How will I feed my babies? It wasn't just the words she said. It was the way she said them. The fear in my mom's voice was unsettling, to say the least. I very much remember the silence that hung in the air as she looked at my dad, who had nothing to say. He just looked back at her, and after a few tense moments, my mom stormed upstairs, slammed the bedroom door, and cried. I think I was about nine years old. Money, or the lack of it, always seemed to be a cloud of tension in my family. And on this day, my mom had once again reached a breaking point. My dad had a difficult time consistently providing for our family. This wasn't the first time the tension had spilled over. I was very familiar with heated discussions about what to pay, who to pay, who not to pay, how to pay it, and when. There were arguments about how long we could put off paying the electricity or phone bills before they got shut off. And this wasn't the first time my mom worried aloud about how we were going to pay for groceries. Of course, I couldn't help but feel the tension as well and have my own worries about electricity or having enough food to eat. But this time there was a big difference as I watched this familiar argument play out. This time I had another option besides absorbing it all with helpless anxiety. It just so happened that I had recently started my very first job. I actually had a job as a nine-year-old. Once a week I delivered a local newspaper. It was my job to get the stacks of papers, stuff them with ads, roll and rubber band them, fill our wagon, and deliver them to our neighborhood homes. It was a big route, and it took most of my day. So I worked hard, and as you can imagine, felt great pride when I got that first paycheck. So there I was, looking at my dad still standing there and listening to my mom crying upstairs. The family was in need, and this time, I knew I could help. So I went up to my room, got my check, and came down and offered it to my dad. My dad took the check. I didn't know it then, but that would prove to be a wound that would silently shape my life for the next 27 years. By the way, all of this is shared with my dad's permission. In fact, it's much more than that. If you'd like, read more in acknowledgments. My mother has since passed away. My dad offered many wonderful things to me as a kid. Most significant were his time and presence. I can't remember any significant event of my childhood when he wasn't there. Activities, sports, school events, it was rare for him to not be there, which makes this such a hard chapter to write. Earlier in the book, I only touched on the truth that my dad had wounded me, the same as your dad with you. So I hate that my dad will be one of many men reading this. I don't like how this may hurt him, and I truly do not enjoy saying it. But I learned long ago just how essential it was for me to go into my story, even if it meant I would have to face some really difficult and uncomfortable things. I had reached a point in my life that I could see, with alarming clarity, just how much my heart was in need of serious care. I was undone at the realization that my brokenness was already having an impact on my children, and unless something changed, I was only going to continue a legacy of unredeemed wounding from father to son and father to daughter. That meant there was only one way forward, diving deep into my story to see and understand key moments where I had been wounded and the things I had come to believe because of them. There were moments of my past that had a huge impact on the man I had become, and I had almost no understanding of how or why. So for the first time in my life, I was very intentional about looking into my past, starting with my dad, a journey your initiation will require you to take as well. Let's pause for a few moments because this is such a difficult and sensitive subject. 
have seen and been part of many men's introduction to the importance of exploring moments of past wounding. It is rare for a man to easily accept his need for this. For so many men, it feels dishonoring to the most important man in their life. And if the only thing we accomplished in digging into our past was to relive long-forgotten pain and suffering and vilify our fathers, I would agree there wouldn't be any value to it. For other men, your resistance is coming from a different place. Some of you have stories of significant trauma at the hands of your father. If that is you, let me say this. The things we are about to explore deserve a great deal of compassion and wisdom. As you continue reading and begin the process of exploring your own wounds, I implore you to handle your heart wisely. There is absolutely no room for shame in realizing that you may need help in this battle for your heart. The things I am about to share may be best done with some professional help. As you walk this road intimately with Jesus, receive his tender wisdom for the care of and fight for your heart. I know and understand that you may be feeling some resistance at this point, so once again, Let's take a moment to extract the precious from the worthless, to be clear about the point of all of this. First, what we are not doing. This is not an exercise in father bashing. The objective is not to lash out at your father or mine and make him a scapegoat for the brokenness, pain, and suffering that has impacted the man you are today. Instead, what you are doing is seeking to understand how the enemy has used these moments to take your heart captive. What you're doing is learning to fight this enemy to take back what is yours. Your dad is not the enemy. Satan and his legion of fallen angels are. That being said, we've already talked about the extreme of blaming Satan for everything and creating a convenient way of shirking responsibility. So while we aren't here to bash and shame your dad or mine, you have to allow yourself to feel the full weight of the wounding. In my case, my dad took that check from me, his nine-year-old son, Was the enemy influencing his thinking in that moment? Most certainly. Does that mean he bears no responsibility for that? It does not. He made that choice in a moment of weakness, and it proved to be a very significant wound for me. So while the objective is not to lash out and bash our fathers, even for those who experienced abuse and trauma from your fathers, in allowing yourself to feel the full weight of these moments, you can expect to feel some very deep and strong emotions some that may take significant time to process. The truth of this becomes even more apparent when you realize there isn't just one moment to which Jesus wants to lead you. My story and yours include several moments that need Jesus' healing touch, and not just for wounds from our dads. I have more to say about that as we go on, but for now, it is important to know that you will find yourself walking intimately with Jesus to many different moments that prove to have a significant impact on your heart. In my case, it took years to fully process the emotional fallout from these journeys into my past. Yes, years. By no means was this the only moment of wounding to which Jesus would lead me. Not surprisingly, it was a process that strained my relationship with my dad. It can be a long and difficult road. You will relive very impactful moments and feel rejection, betrayal, diminishment, loss, sorrow, hopelessness, and anger. In other words, you will grieve, which is exactly where you will find Abba waiting for you. But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Psalm 10, verse 14. This is a hard place to stay. I know the things I wanted to do as I started to walk this road. 
I wanted to dismiss much of it as insignificant. I've thought this, and I've heard this often. Yeah, that happened, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Remember, however, what you know about the bigger story. It is in these moments that Satan used the sacred relationship between father and son to take captive a part of your heart and rob you of your sacred identity. He also used and has continued to use those moments to skew your perception of God. There is a reason for most of us the best place to start the journey of fighting for our hearts is in revisiting moments of wounding from our fathers. In targeting the sacred relationship of father and child, more so than any other relationship, the enemy can exact a devastating wound and cement very entrenched, skewed perceptions of our Heavenly Father. How? Well, in a moment of inspiration after an encounter with a man unaware of this truth, my brother wrote his own screw tape letter. As background, the screw tape letters is a book written by C.S. Lewis. It is a story of a master demon, screw tape, and his apprentice nephew, Wormwood. The story is told through a series of letters from master to apprentice as he educates and enlightens young Wormwood in the ways of thwarting the enemy, that is God, and the humans he loves so much. It is an extremely enlightening story and one I most certainly recommend. However, the inspired screw tape letter from my brother, Tyler, is what I want to share here. Remember, the enemy mentioned here is from the perspective of Wormwood and screw tape, so that enemy is God. Wormwood, I am so disappointed that you let your subject pledge his life to the enemy. We'll talk about this when you and I meet next. For now, you have some work to do. Listen to me very carefully. If he starts to see the compassion, delight, affection, and deep love the enemy has for him, you will not only lose him forever, but he will become a formidable foe against our master's kingdom. But do not fear. There is hope. There has been a proven strategy you can take to keep your subject in line. You must confuse the true face of our enemy toward him. What you need to do is pick someone in his life who fits the following criteria. Subject, sought the approval, affection, and delight of this person. This person either never gave that approval, affection, and delight, or only gave it when your subject accomplished something or followed the rules. This person was so preoccupied with their own unmet desire for validation that they rarely, if ever, showed deep affection toward your subject. Your subject was never truly secure in this person's love for them. I believe for your subject, the best person would be his father. Here is the work you have before you. You must convince your subject that our enemy is like your subject's father. Let him feel the enemy's approval of him when he is following the rules or when he accomplishes something, but never, and I repeat, never, let him see and feel the full, unconditional love the enemy offers unless he only gets small tastes of that love, and only if your subject believes he earns it. If you do this, you will maintain control of your subject for many years to come. And if you are good at it, you'll be able to use him to turn others away from our enemy as well, especially his own children. If you can do that, you may even earn a promotion. Your uncle, screw tape. Maybe that is a description of your father, or perhaps your story of wounding is slightly different. Regardless, it absolutely is a big deal. The desire to dismiss your story as insignificant likely is coming from a good heart that wants to protect your father, or from an instinct to protect yourself. But I've seen this play out often enough to know that behind that thought is just a clever play by the enemy. 
He's using your good heart against you to lull you back to sleep and get you to back away from the fight. I know the turmoil you're beginning to feel, but don't allow yourself to be duped into backing down. Remember, this isn't ultimately about your dad. You spent a lifetime learning to cope with the brokenness, pain, and suffering from wounds that have impacted your entire life. As necessary as it is to learn to cope, however, there's something we all need much more than that. Healing. That is what the difficult road ahead is leading to, and it is something Jesus longs to offer you. Listen to his heartbreak as he reflects on the reality of people who are not awakened to, or worse, actively resisting their need for healing. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts in turn. And I would heal them. Matthew 13, verse 15. His heartbreak drips from these words. He cries for your wounded heart and mind, calloused and held captive, a heart cut off from the life, freedom, belonging, and unconditional love we were made to know. He longs for us to receive healing from him, but sadly, so many of us have closed our eyes. We've settled for the crumbs of simply trying to cope. Why? Because, unfortunately, most conclude that the price for healing is just too high. So here we are, 2,000 years after Jesus uttered these words, closing our eyes, shutting our ears, our hearts growing more and more calloused, and our enemy keeping his prize, winning the fight by forfeit. Furthermore, this unrealized healing is not just a tragic surrender of your own heart. It is also a death blow to your sacred role as a father. You cannot give what you don't have. Your divine responsibility is to bestow sacred identity to your kids. To do that, you must find the courage to get your heart back, receive the healing you so desperately need, and learn to live deeply rooted in your belovedness. In learning to fight for your own heart, you will learn how to fight for and teach your kids to fight for their hearts. Your kids have the same enemy. They too will have the same fears and face the same intimidation as they will one day come to realize their own need to fight for their own hearts. They will learn from you what to do. So quiet submission can no longer be the response. Instead, there is something else for you to discover. As you follow God deeper into his invitation to initiate you into intimate sonship, you will also discover a strength you may not yet know you have. Believe it or not, the enemy works extremely hard to avoid the fight because he knows, in the end, if you discover your source of strength that comes from living in deep intimacy as God's beloved son, it is a fight he won't win. Let's acknowledge then the fear and intimidation we all know, and let's also decide together that the time has come to awaken to our desperate need for healing and to step into the fight. The time has come to walk deeply into your story so that you might see, hear, and understand clearly how those wounds have shaped you into the man you are today. Jesus says it plainly in Matthew 13, 15. Understand and turn to him, and he will heal you. Courage, beloved son. Courage. Courage, beloved son. Courage, beloved daughter. The time has come to awaken to our need, our desperate need for healing healing that leads to freedom. And that really is the invitation for our discussion today. An invitation best captured in a simple question. 
what will you do with your pain? Richard Rohr, who is an author and thinker and spiritual guide and leader who has spent years leading people through their own healing journeys, uh, offered this observation. He said, all great spirituality is about what we do with our pain. And that's the crossroads that we find ourselves at today. See, this divine rebellion that we are referring to, these steps that we take to push back against an enemy who from the beginning has conspired to steal away from you your birthright of freedom, your birthright of living out of the true story, who has conspired to hide the reality and existence of that birthright, and beyond that even, to hide the, the road back to it. Um, he is heavily invested in keeping you invested in a false reality. And it's this issue of pain is a crossroads. It's a turning point because part of the conspiracy is to swarm us with a life and a momentum and a culture that works overtime to keep us from attending to our inner worlds. And we live in a culture that surrounds us with sedation and numbing and opportunities for distraction. And that is always available. And add that on top of our instinct to run from pain, to treat it as a curse, to see it as an enemy, and to get as far away from it as we possibly can. And we find ourselves inevitably swept along without even thinking about it uh, in a perpetuation of the illusion and the shadow stories that result. And this is the crossroads. With that question, what will you do with your pain? You've spent a lifetime learning to cope which we all do by distancing ourselves from our pain. And as necessary as that is, though, there is a crossroads in front of you today. See, the healing that leads to freedom requires a courageous act of divine rebellion, rebellion against an enemy in a world that has conspired against you long enough. Your invitation today is to ramp up that rebellion, to realize that the healing all of us need healing that leads to freedom comes by moving toward your pain, not away from it. Your invitation then into divine rebellion starts by awakening to your need for this healing, healing that starts when we attend to our inner worlds. And when we begin to feel what needs to be felt deeply, authentically, without shame, because there is a progression, there is a road to freedom, and it goes something like this. Unless we feel, we cannot grieve. And if we don't grieve, we cannot forgive. And if we don't forgive, we can't heal. And if we don't heal, we can't be free. And this invitation into the true story and away from the shadow story is an invitation to freedom. 
It is freedom to know the design, to know the reality that you're loved, you belong, and you have nothing to prove. And the way to that freedom is to do something that maybe instinctively is new to you, that maybe you have never heard before, that you have never been um, encouraged to consider before. And that is to attend to that pain, to move toward it in a way that you begin to see it and know it and understand it. And that requires a fundamental transformation of your relationship with pain. See, most of us see pain as a curse, as an enemy, as something that we need to do war with and get away from. Whereas this crossroads challenges our assumptions about that and invites us to explore the idea, the possibility that it's not an enemy, that it's an ally, that it's not a curse, but a blessing, that pain and the wounding that Jesus wants to heal is not a threat, but an invitation. And that's where we're going with this today. And so right now, I think the invitation is pretty simple, is to just sit with that idea. And so many of our invitations is just about creating a new category or reevaluating, rethinking, reshaping what we have always assumed to be true. And this is a pivotal one. This is a, this is a crossroads for your way forward is going to be found in transformation at those assumption levels. But it's not just that. So this story of healing and wounding um, and the reality that so much of our invitation is found by recognizing God stands in the middle of it and invites us to go deeper into it. This is not a one and done thing. Um, I shared the story in that excerpt of how my journey of healing began. And that was one installment of what has proven to be an ongoing journey, things that have continued to unfold even today. Those early journeys had a lot to do with my relationship with my dad. As I said, that is where many begin because of the double whammy impact um, where our enemy does work in that sacred relationship because he he gets uh, he gets a little extra mileage out of it. He doesn't just uh, deliver wounds to our hearts that impact us and give life to illusion. He also, through that, begins to skew our perception of our Heavenly Father and shield from us seeing him as he actually is. So that's why it's such an important place to start for most of us. But it is by no means the only area of wounding that Jesus invites us into. And sometimes he'll take us back into things, things that we have visited. He'll come back and go deeper. It's just a part of our unfolding stories and the reality that our stories unfold. And as they do, um, things that we weren't ready for before, we are ready for now. 
And that is certainly true of me, of some things that I have been experiencing even this year, going back into some old wounds that have taken me down a path of healing again. And that always starts with pain and attending to it and beginning to discern what the invitations are within it. And so there's something that I want to share with you um, just as uh, just as a glimpse from one fellow apprentice to another, one journeyman to another. Um, there's something that I wrote that had just kind of come out of these things that uh, God is taking me into um, a time not so long ago when I was experiencing a lot of pain and um, felt um, felt a need to process by taking what I was feeling and naming it and attending to it and giving myself space for it by um, writing a, a poem in a poem that I want to share with you now, a poem called The Illusion. My heart groans, longing for laughter. My soul aches, heartbreaks big and small, accumulating, building, echoing. My mind races, processing, chewing, resisting, worrying, fighting, mostly with myself, then with imaginary versions of others, then with imaginary versions of you. My will weakens, the pain becoming too heavy. I want out. I want to withdraw. I want to hide. I want to quit. A flame of resentment grows, tired, feeling alone, misunderstood. The hot winds of grievance begin to blow. My soul begins to dry out, life and joy slowly, subtly evaporating away. Scarcity shakes its head in mockery. Shame chimes in. So sad, so ugly, so desolate. You aren't just misunderstood. You're not understandable. You aren't just unseen. You're unseeable. You will never belong. Alone starts to look like rejection. Hurt looks like abandonment. Unmet desire looks like hopelessness. Blame speaks. Who? Who will you hold responsible? God? Yourself? Others? Vengeance makes an enticing offer. Dismiss the dismissers. Judge the judgers. Hate the haters. Fan the flame of resentment. Let resentment grow into despair. Despair into bitterness. Bitterness into a consuming rage. It's loud now. It feels just. It feels right. It feels true, pleasing, wise even. You respond with silence. Or do I close my ears, my heart, my eyes? I'm being torn apart inside. You wait. I wrestle. I hurt. I cry. Your silence feels like disinterest, condemnation, distance. It feels so real. I can't see you. I can't hear you. I can't feel you. A single thought penetrates the noise. Something you said once will never leave you, will never forsake you. It doesn't feel true, but something deep within me remembers. Into the noise, I weakly utter what I have left. A whisper that cannot be heard, a whisper from a place still untouched by the noise, the chaos, the illusion. From there, one word, Abba. 
then into that place you whisper back one word sun a flame of hope begins to grow i remember who i am to whom i belong what felt like disinterest begins to look like honor what felt like condemnation begins to look like knowing what felt like distance begins to look like presence invitation healing you make an enticing offer come with me you are weary and burdened i will give you rest like a child i climb into your lap the noise stops the illusion fades you look at me and speak healing into the pain welcome home you hold me be still you say i've got you there in your arms i lean in and hear your heartbeat and it is there i find peace seen heard known understood friends i thank you for listening the invitation again today is to begin to turn in pay attention to your inner world to take a step of divine rebellion against a world that sweeps us along and compels us to just keep moving to ignore to sedate to numb to distract what we're learning to do is to move toward it friend if you have come to a place where there are things you would like to have someone to talk to you can reach out and find me at the intentionaldad.org if you have an interest in getting a copy of the book you can find that also at the intentionaldad.org or at amazon.com and if you would like to see a copy of that poem i will also make that available you can see information about that in the description for this podcast so again friends i thank you for listening um really have enjoyed this journey i hope it has been a blessing for you look forward to our next discussion in which Pete will be able to join us um so until next time may god bless you and your family very richly